Ingersoll, On the Great Infidels, from the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 3, Lectures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Section 11. Diderot. Doubt is the first step toward truth. Diderot was born in 1713. His parents were in what may be called the humbler walks of life. Like Voltaire, he was educated by the Jesuits. He had in him something of the vagabond, and was for several years almost a beggar in Paris. He was endeavoring to live by his pen. In that day and generation, a man without a patron, endeavoring to live by literature, was necessarily almost a beggar. He nearly starved, frequently going for days without food. Afterward, when he had something for himself, he was as generous as the air. No man ever was more willing to give, and no man less willing to receive, than Diderot. He wrote upon all conceivable subjects that he might have bread. He even wrote sermons, and regretted it all his life. He and D'Alembert were the life and soul of the encyclopedia. With infinite enthusiasm, he helped to gather the knowledge of the world for the use of each and all. He harvested the fields of thought, separated the grain from the straw and chaff, and endeavored to throw away the seeds and fruit of superstition. His motto was, quote, Incredulity is the first step towards philosophy. Close quote. He had the vices of most Christians, was nearly as immoral as the majority of priests. His vices he shared in common, his virtues were his own. All who knew him united in saying that he had the pity of a woman, the generosity of a prince, the self-denial of an anchorite, the courage of Caesar, and the enthusiasm of a poet. He attacked with every power of his mind the superstition of his day. He said what he thought. The priest hated him. He was in favor of universal education. The church despised it. He wished to put the knowledge of the whole world within the reach of the poorest. He wished to drive from the gate of the Garden of Eden the cherubim of superstition, so that the child of Adam might return to eat once more the fruit of the tree of knowledge. Every Catholic was his enemy. His poor little desk was ransacked by the police searching for manuscripts in which something might be found that would justify the imprisonment of such a dangerous man. Whoever, in 1750, wished to increase the knowledge of mankind was regarded as the enemy of social order. The intellectual superstructure of France rests upon the encyclopedia. The knowledge given to the people was the impulse, the commencement of the revolution that left the church without an altar and the king without a throne. Diderot thought for himself and bravely gave his thoughts to others. For this reason he was regarded as a criminal. He did not expect his reward in another world. He did not do what he did to please some imaginary god. He labored for mankind. 
he wished to lighten the burdens of those who should live after him. Hear these noble words. Quote, the more man ascends through the past, and the more he launches into the future, the greater he will be. And all these philosophers and ministers and truth-telling men who have fallen victims to the stupidity of nations, the atrocities of priests, the fury of tyrants, what consolation was left for them in death? This, that prejudice would pass, and that posterity would pour out the vial of ignominy upon their enemies. O oh, posterity, holy and sacred stay of the unhappy and the oppressed, thou who art just, thou who art incorruptible, thou who findest the good man, who unmaskest the hypocrite, who breakest down the tyrant, may thy sure faith, thy consoling faith, never, never abandon me. Posterity is for the philosopher what the other world is for the devotee. Diderot took the ground that, if orthodox religion be true, Christ was guilty of suicide. Having the power to defend himself, he should have used it. Of course, it would not do for the church to allow a man to die in peace who had added to the intellectual wealth of the world. The moment Diderot was dead, Catholic priests began painting and recounting the horrors of his expiring moments. They described him as overcome with remorse, as insane with fear, and these falsehoods have been repeated by the Protestant world and will probably be repeated by thousands of ministers after we are dead. The truth is, he had passed his threescore years and ten. He had lived for seventy-one years. He had eaten his supper. He had been conversing with his wife. He was reclining in his easy chair. His mind was at perfect rest. He had entered, without knowing it, the twilight of his last day. Above the horizon was the evening star, telling of sleep. The room grew still, and the stillness was lulled by the murmur of the street. There were a few moments of perfect peace. The wife said, He is asleep. She enjoyed his repose, and breathed softly that he might not be disturbed. The moments wore on, and still he slept. Lovingly, softly, at last she touched him. Yes, he was asleep. He had become a part of the eternal silence. End of section 11. Diderot. Doubt is the first step toward truth.